Well, turn with me, please, in the scriptures to John, the third chapter, John chapter 3. We've been on a series that we're calling Eternal Life. Now, if you want to get the previous messages, they're available there on the website. It won't cost you anything. I believe we're up to uh, part three of this. And our text is in John 3 and verse 14. So look there, please. John 3 and 14. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him, in the Son of Man, in Jesus, the Son of God, Son of Man, the Redeemer, the Messiah. If you believe in Him, that you should not perish, but have eternal life. Did you know Peter said that it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should, you know, repent, come to repentance to eternal life. Anytime you see perishing, that means you know, failing, destroying, destruction. None of that is the perfect will of God. None of it. It's not his will. His will is life. And it's connected, though, to believing in him. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. This is one of the greatest subjects in the Bible. Everlasting life, eternal life. If you look up the words eternal and everlasting, we get our word eon from the Greek word that's translated everlasting or eternal, eon, or eons. And it means continued duration. It means to the vanishing point. <laughs> that's an interesting phrase. What does that mean? It means it's beyond what you can see or what you can think. That's how long it goes beyond what you can see or think. Eternal, perpetual. In fact, in astronomy and in geology, the term eon equates to one billion years. <laughs> A billion years. Well, he's talking about eons, unending billions of years. Now, if you are alive for a hundred years, people think that's an extraordinarily long life. But the scripture said to God, a thousand years is like a day. So a hundred years would be to him like a tenth of a day. Well, a tenth of our day, it'd be two and a half hours, 2.4 hours. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, we don't think a couple hours is a long time. We think, well, that's hardly anything. I mean, that transpires 
from the time we begin our service, you know, a couple of hours to the end. And that's how God views a hundred year lifespan. So no matter what it is, this is the, the dream, the desire, the focus of mankind since the beginning of mankind's existence on earth is to not have to die. Because, um, you know, one of the things that's forefront in our thinking right now is this virus and, and thousands have died from it and many more affected by it. But the truth is, you know, just in what we call normal times, 155,000 people die somewhere on the planet every 24 hours, just in what we call normal times. And if you and I don't die this week, well, whether it's 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 75 years from now, it's going to come like a flash. And if the Lord tarries is coming, we're going to die. So instead of just being scared of death, and the Bible says that makes you subject to bondage, we need to be ready to die at any moment, at any time. And the only way you can be ready to die and not be afraid of death is that you have received eternal life. <laughs> oh, somebody say, thank God. Eternal life. Eternal life. Is there such a thing as everlasting life? If you believe the Bible, you know that there is. And if you've been born again, you, you have the experiential witness in yourself. You know something amazing happened to you when you were born again. And it wasn't just that, you know, only that you were forgiven of your sins. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus, possessing the life of God, the life of is in the blood. And Jesus didn't have an earthly father. He was born without the agency of an earthly father. So the life that's in his blood is the Zoe, eternal life of God. That's why he shed his blood. He gave it. When he gave his blood, he gave eternal life to everyone that would believe on him. And friend, when that becomes real to you, when you receive Jesus and you receive eternal life and you realize that whether it's today or 10 years from now or 70 years from now and I die, I'm not afraid to die. Death is not the end. I will never die in the truest sense. My spirit will slip out of my body like a hand comes out of a glove and I will go to be with the Lord, which is even far better than being here. Eternal Life is the present possession of all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you glad to be a believer, saint? Somebody say, thank you, Lord. I'm a believer. Oh, somebody said out loud, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I have eternal life. I have eternal life. Go with me to the fifth chapter. You're there in John 3, just over a couple of pages to chapter 5. And the 21st verse, John 5, 21, unless you receive Jesus and receive eternal life, you cannot be free from the tormenting fear of death. No matter what kind of psychology you try to use, 
you know death is coming at some point. And you cannot be free from the fear and terror of it if you believe it's lights out, the end, cessation of existence. You can't get free from it. The Bible said that Jesus became a partaker of flesh and blood so that he through death might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through all their lifetime were subject to bondage through the fear of death. But when you believe on him and you're born again and you possess the eternal life of God, you lose the fear of death. And you really are not ready to live until you're no longer afraid to die. Your life will be tentative, always afraid of this and afraid of that. And what if this happens and what if that happens? And afraid of loss, afraid I'm going to lose this one, afraid I'm going to lose that one. Well, it's just a matter of time till everybody you see and know passes on out of this life. But if you possess eternal life, you will never die. And at the point of death, you won't even taste death. You won't even experience death because Jesus tasted it for you. You'll just slip out of here into glory. The Bible said he'll receive you with his right hand. He'll receive you into glory. He'll guide you through life and receive you to glory, the psalmist said. Notice this in John 5, 21, as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them. Now keep that word in mind, quickens them. Even so the Son quickens whom he will. That word quicken can be translated uh, revive or vitalize or revitalize. It has to do with life. To make alive is probably one of the best definitions. To quicken something means to make it alive or make it alive again. The Father raises the dead and quickens, even so the Son quickens whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son honors not the Father which has sent him. You cannot reject Jesus and have God. We studied that last time in some detail. I mean, there must be a dozen scriptures in the New Testament that say this in one form or another. You can't reject Jesus and have God the Father. Because God the Father is the one who gave us Jesus as the solution to all our problems. If you don't receive what the Father gave, you're not receiving the Father. Verse 24 Verily, verily, I say to you, Jesus said, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me hath, we'd say has, everlasting life. Do you believe on him, saints? Do you believe on him? Then according to Jesus, you have, present tense, everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is past from death, talking about spiritual death, unto life, spiritual life. Verily, verily, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live, even after your body has died. When the trumpet sounds, and the voice 
of the Son of God is declared, the dead will hear it. (laughs) The dead shall rise. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he's the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. Oh my, do you believe it, saints? There's coming a time when the trumpet shall sound and there will be the shout of the archangel and the voice of God. And everyone will hear his voice. And they'll come forth, they that have done good to the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. The rising again of life, the scripture talks about. Resurrection. Verse 39, he summed it up with this. He said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Christianity is not just a religion. It is not just a set of tenets and beliefs. Sadly, there's a lot of people who have almost separated the Christ from Christianity. They've set it up as a a bunch of beliefs and a moral code and this. No, there is no Christianity without the Christ. And the life is not just in the set of beliefs, it's in Him. It's in Him. It's in Him, in Jesus. He said, they testify of me and you'll not come to me that you might have life. The life is in the Son. And you won't find it in anyone else and in anything else. I know people say, well, that's that's just narrow, preacher. What about all these other religions? Jesus said that the way is narrow and relatively few that enter into it. But their broad is the way that leads to destruction and many that go in there. If you're a Christian, you must believe what the Christ said. It's about a relationship between you and him and receiving the son. And if he says he's the only one that no man comes to the father except by him, how dare you change it? How dare you modify it to try to be politically correct and in more inclusive? Are y'all with me, saints? You got truth and then you got everything else. And just because a lot of people believe it doesn't make it so. Doesn't make it true. What is the source of your belief? What is the standard for your beliefs? Are you just making stuff up as you go along? Are you listening to other people? Just stuff they come up with in their heads? Our faith is based in the living word of God. Hallelujah. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word shall never pass away. That's why we keep referring to these scriptures. That's why we keep putting them up on the screen. These are the words of the master. And they will endure though heaven and earth pass away. Can you say I believe it? (laughs) Look with me if you would. Go to the 8th chapter of Romans please. Romans 8. Verse uh, 2. Romans 8, 2, now, uh, this life that's in the Father, that's in the Son, this everlasting life, this eternal life, is now in all 
who have accepted him. It's in me as a believer. It's in you in believer, as a believer. But this affects us. Like we said, it's a present tense possession. It affects us now, not just throughout the eons to come. For the law of the spirit of life, the spirit of life, what kind of life? That's this eternal life. The law of the spirit of eternal life, everlasting life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, most of that, most of us, our heads don't quite get. But if you'll just say it out of your spirit, it'll do something for you. (laughs) The light of it will just keep flowing. Say it out loud, everybody. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Let's say it together another couple of times. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. One more time. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Why is it that I I no longer have to die in the truest sense of the word and the second death has no power over me because the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has quickened me has made me a new creation. I have the life of God. Skip down to the uh, ninth verse. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now he was called the spirit of life there. Here he's called the spirit of God, same spirit. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, here he's called spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. Now that's an interesting way of saying it because, you know, we like to think of it as still being alive. But really, because of sin, it is a mortal or doomed to die. Dead, you could call it, because of sin. But the spirit, my body didn't get born again. My body does not yet, you know, It's not just eternal life flowing in it, but my spirit is. My spirit is not mortal. My spirit is not corruptible. We'll see this in a little bit, but 2 Corinthians says, though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. And you have not aged as far as getting older one minute since you were born again. (laughs) You are not aging, getting older, decaying. The inner man that's born again is not corruptible, is not mortal, does not age. It is renewed day by day. You should have developed and grow up, but you don't grow old. Not inside, not in the inner man. The spirit is life, or you could say alive. Because of righteousness. Verse 11. Now if you don't have this one marked. You ought to get it marked. But if the spirit. Of him that raised Jesus from the dead. Dwell in you. He that raised up Christ. The anointed one from the dead. Shall also what? Quicken. What does that word mean? Make alive. 
shall quicken your what? Mortal. That, that's not the glorified body. That's this one. Quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Oh, this is a shouting verse right here, whether you realize it or not. This is a shouting verse. Shouting verse. Now, there is the sense in which he will quicken and make the mortal body immortal. But you'll also see that we have the privilege of experiencing the earnest of our inheritance are the first fruits of the Spirit's work in this life here and now. Our body will not become immortal during this time, but it can be quickened. Oh, somebody say quickened. Quickened. It can be quickened and made full of life that will allow healing, restoration, strength, enabling us to live our life and to provide good service for our Lord and the call on our life. You know, we got a job to do. We, we got a job to do for our Lord, for our families, for our church, for any number of things. You can't do it if you're incapacitated with sickness or you're too weak to even get out of bed. You need a quickening, a quickening. And I want you to look at it real close with me. If the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now, what, what a thought. Realize what he's talking about. In the tomb, after three days and nights, Jesus' body was cold. He was not in his body. He really did die. And he, he left. He, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. And that means his spirit left his body. So his body was dead. And it lay there cold and stiff in that tomb for three days and nights. But at the end of those three days and nights, we're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday next weekend. <laughs> and at the end of that time, oh, there was an earthquake. The angels rolled the stone away. The Spirit of God filled up that tomb and the glory of God raised Jesus' body from the dead, not just back to his previous state. It raised him from the dead immortal. His body is immortal. It cannot age or die anymore. And here we're told that the spirit that was in the tomb on the resurrection morning that same spirit lives, not just visits, dwells in me. Oh, that was worth you coming to church this morning. Can you say glory to God, glory to God? Say it out loud, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Dwell, dwells in me means has taken up residency in me. He doesn't just visit once in a while. He lives, he dwells in me 24-7. What spirit? Well, if he raised Jesus' body from the dead, never to be, you know, subject to any physical problems again, why couldn't he zap me a little bit? Why couldn't he quicken me and help me with something 
to help me through my life down here. Now, I know that I don't get the full immortality in my body right now. I understand that. That comes later. But the scripture tells us that the spirit has been given to us as an earnest of what's to come. As a, it's like a pledge. It's like a down payment. It's akin to an engagement ring of what is to come. You get to enjoy a foretaste of what's to come. Well, what is a foretaste of an immortal body? Well, what's a foretaste of an incorruptible flesh? It would be a quickening. Not the full thing, but a quickening. Hallelujah. In our mortal, mortal, mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Young's literal says it like this. If the spirit of him who did raise up Jesus out of the dead does dwell in you, he who did raise up the Christ out of the dead shall quicken also your dying bodies through his spirit dwelling in you. Well, that's even more clear. This, this is the body that's dying. Not after it's been raised from the dead and made immortal. Skip down to verse 22. In this same 8th chapter, verse 22. He says, for you know, we know, that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. Everything down here on this earth, the planet itself is groaning and travailing. These earthquakes, the, these uh, Tsunamis, the, the, these volcanoes erupting, these crazy weather patterns. That's not how God made it. It's revealing something's very wrong with the planet. Well, our bodies are made out of the same substance that the planet's made out of. And so our bodies are experiencing the same thing. That's, uh, have you ever grown? <laughs> have you ever said, uh, oh, wow. Especially if you got older. <laughs> Have you ever thought, hmm, wow. Or it took you a few minutes to get moving after you woke up. Or, uh, what's going on? It's this. Verse 23, not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Oh, come on, do you see the connection here? The first fruits of the Spirit. What was he talking about? You got to connect it with that 11th verse back there. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, that is the redemption of the body. There's going to come a time when this body is going to be changed. Oh, thank God. And this mortal is going to put on immortality. There's going to be a time when this planet is changed. The whole planet. There's going to be a new heaven and new earth. There's going to be no more curse, no more sorrow, no more dying, no more pain. Oh, thank God, thank God. Somebody say, thank God. So all we got to do is make it through this little short phase right here, and then we won't have to deal with any of this ever again throughout the endless eons. But he said, we have the first fruit. Somebody say first fruits, first fruits. What's the first fruits of the Spirit? He mentions it. Waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. Well, what's an earnest or first fruit of the redemption 
of the body. What is it? Let me just give you a few of the verses that talk about this. Ephesians 1, 13, put that up for us. Ephesians 1, 13, it says, In whom you trusted after you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Have you received the Spirit? Is He in you? The Spirit is the earnest, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. There are other scriptures in the New Testament that talk about the earnest of the Spirit, the earnest of our inheritance, the first fruits of the Spirit, the first fruits of our inheritance. What is it? It includes more, there's more to it than this, but it includes the quickening of our mortal bodies by the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He didn't just quicken his body a little bit. His body was dead. <laughs> he brought it to life and changed it so that it's no longer subject to age or decay or even getting weak. I know some years ago, the Lord was ministering to me about this verse at Romans 8, 11, about the Spirit of God quickening your mortal body. And uh, I had uh, occasion to act on it and believe for it more than I had been. Some things came up and I needed to do a trip. It was kind of a flying trip over the weekend and take care of some things. And um, I didn't get much sleep and it was a lot of driving and a lot of wear, even after I got there and then coming back. And uh, I was planning on, I had already made arrangements that Monday I wasn't going to work. I was going to, I knew I'd be exhausted. And so I got there and uh, I kept for the last, I don't know, four hours driving. I was having visions of my bed. Have you ever been there? I was thinking, man, it won't be long. I'll get there. I can lay down. I may sleep for three days, but I mean, <laughs> I, I was bushed. And so I, I got to the house. The bed is just right over there. I'm, I'm so close. And the phone rang. And um, I answered, and I, I was helping out in healing school at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry at that time. And so uh, uh, it was the person that was over, over that, and they said, uh, Keith, we, we need you to come in and minister this afternoon. Well, it was already 10, 11 o'clock. I mean, time I got dressed, it'd be time to be there and start ministering. And my first thought was, no, no, I'm not in any kind of shape to do anything. And the Lord, before I started to answer it and say something along that line, and the Spirit of God quickened me, said, you better ask me first. I said, really? I better ask you. Of course, I know that's right. Lord, what about it? He said, go do it. I thought, what? No. All this is going on while they're talking on the phone. And so I just said, uh, okay, I need to clean up. It'll take me just a little bit. I'll see you in a bit. I hung up the phone and I thought, what did you do? What did you do? You're in no shape. You're in no shape to do this. But I felt like the Lord prompted me. You know, he, he's always endeavoring to teach us things, show us things. If we'll, and it's just like, you know, during the offering, I said, he told me to just trust him for the rest of that end of that year. There's got to be times when you really use your faith. 
And they're not just riding on somebody else's faith or you're not just doing something that you've always done, looking to something you're familiar to. And so I'm getting ready. And man, I felt like, as the saying goes, 40 miles of muddy road. I mean, I, I, I got there and there were, there were a couple of folks that had been helping me in these classes. I just looked at them and, and I'm sure I looked bleary eyed. I said, uh, pray, pray. And they nodded knowingly. And I, I asked the Lord, because he'd been ministering to me, to quicken me. Oh, did you hear that phrase? I said, Lord, you know I need some help here. I don't want these folks that need ministry to suffer because I'm not in good shape. I felt like you prompted me to do this. Now, you shouldn't do this unless the Lord prompted you to do it. Are y'all clear on that? Because there have been other times he told me to go to bed when I was ready to do something else. And he said, no, I'll go to bed. But see, you can miss it either way. But he's wanting to show me something. And so uh, I said, Lord, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. I mean, if you could raise his body from the dead, you can do something for me right now. You can quicken me. Quicken me, Lord. And, and as I stepped up behind the podium, something happened to me. I mean, it felt like life. Like bubbly effervescence. I was much, much more spry and excited than my body had any right to be. After all those, you know, three days of all that stuff, I mean, I preached, I, my energy level was high, I, I quoted verses, I just I moved fast, I ministered for, I don't know, hour and a half or whatever it was, people received, people received healing, there was shouting, there was praising God. And, and as I walked away from the podium, I thought, glory to God, I've been quickened. The Lord quickened me. And, and I, I, you know, I, I was bubbly to everybody I saw on the way out. And, and I went back to my office and, and I sat down and in about 30 minutes, I thought, oh, I need to go home. I need to go, I need to go home, I need to go home. Can he quicken your mortal body by his spirit who lives and dwells in you? Yes, he can, he does, he will. Somebody say, he quickens me. He quickens me. He makes me full of life. He quickens me by his Holy Spirit. You know, he can do that to a dead kidney. The Spirit of God can quicken a dead kidney or a dead pancreas or a dead portion of brain tissue or dead nerve tissue or a collapsed or destroyed disc in your back. The Spirit of God is the quickening Spirit. Hallelujah. And that life can just flow over that thing and revitalize it. Vivify is one word that you'll see as a definition. Make alive quicken. Oh, somebody say, can you say amen? Hebrews 4, you know, 12 talks about that the Word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. His Word is a quickening Word. His Word is life. And it's the same. God only has one kind of life. It's that same eternal life that He has in Himself and that Christ has in Himself. And that now every believer has in his or herself. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 
Praise be to God. If that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He that raised Christ from the dead or Jesus from the dead, He'll quicken, make full of life your mortal body through His Spirit that dwells in you. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7 talks about this as well. It says, we have this treasure. Previously in the chapter, he referred to the light, the glory and the light. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now, what does that mean, the dying of the Lord Jesus? Well, he just got through saying it. The troubled on every side, the perplexed, the persecuted, the cast down, that's identifying with the suffering of the Lord and the dying of the Lord Jesus. But in every one of these occasions, it is but an opportunity for the life of Jesus to be made manifest in our body. You remember Paul had that revelation when he said a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. And he realized through that ordeal that when he was weak, that's when he was strong. Oh, come on, can you see this? When he was weak, the power of God would manifest in him and on him, and he would be quickened and enabled to do what he could not do, enabled to go on and not just survive, but to have overwhelming victory and be an overcoming child of God. Keep reading. That the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Again, that's that being troubled, perplexed, persecuted. That, you know, enduring whatever you need to endure to accomplish your call in life. Enduring any degree of persecution or challenge or uh, enduring hardship as a good soldier. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. This again refers to this quickening of the Holy Spirit. He said, verse 13, this is where he said, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, therefore I've spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and present us with you. Our words and our faith are connected to this. We need to have these words in our mouth that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, and He quickens me, and He will raise me up. He quickens me in this life, and at the end, He will raise me up too, just like He raised Jesus. He said in verse 16, for which cause we faint not. 
For though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. This is the quickening of the Holy Spirit. He, he quickens our spirit. He quickens our mind. He quickens our soul. He quickens our body. He is the quickener. He went on to say, for our light affliction, he calls all that persecution and all that trouble light affliction. He said, it's just for a moment. That's what we were talking about earlier. If you live another 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 75 years, it's just a moment. It's just a flash in time. It works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary. But the things which are not seen, things which are seen are temporal. Things which are not seen are eternal. Look in 2 Corinthians 5, 4. 2 Corinthians 5, all this flows together. To get the most out of it, you ought to take your time and read these two chapters closely. He said, for we which are in this tabernacle, this body, do groan. I mean, does this sound a lot like Romans 8 we just got through reading? It's the same Holy Spirit. Being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. We don't want to be without a body. We want our body quickened, but as soon as we can, we want it changed (laughs) to immortal body. Now he which has wrought for us the selfsame thing is God, who also has given to us the earnest of the Spirit. Look in the Amplified back in chapter 4 and 10, 2 Corinthians 4, 10 in the Amplified if we can. I like the way this says it. It says, always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered. They that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And you'll go through some things in this life just by right of what's around us, the curse, all the junk that's down here. But you're not alone and you're not without help. So that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown forth by and in our bodies. Like Paul said, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Hallelujah. When you feel like you can't go on, remember the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And he does quicken your mortal body. You having the same spirit of faith, say it like they did. I believe, therefore, I've spoken. I'm not by myself. And, and what did the Bible say? Let the weak say. Don't, don't let the weak say, I'm so weak. I just feel like I can't do anything. That's walking by sight. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Let the weak say, I am strong. You don't say, I can't, I can't, I can't. The scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, I can. I can. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want us to say it out loud. Everybody stand up in your living room, in your office, in your bedroom, wherever you are. Stand up. I want you to say it out loud. I'm strong. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me all the time. And he quickens, makes full of life my mortal body. The life of Christ is being manifested in my mortal flesh. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.